In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Today's Gospel includes a fish story. If you know the tradition of fish tales, you know that usually they're about the fish that got away. Today's is different from that. It's about the fish that gets caught. And then getting caught and caught up in God is changed and changes the world. On the surface, this story we hear from the Gospel of Luke sounds familiar enough if we've been around church much at all. The same story, or at least another version of it, appears in each of the Gospels. Mark, Matthew, and John all tell the same story, though they each have their differences. In Matthew, Jesus is baptized, and he's tempted by the devil in the wilderness, and then he goes into Galilee, and he sees Simon Peter and his brother Andrew fishing, and Jesus interrupts their work with those famous words, follow me. They drop everything and follow. Mark's version is very similar. That fishing story is placed within the larger context of Jesus' calling the disciples, of Jesus' assembling his team, of choosing his friends and his followers. Follow me, he says, and, and they do. The Gospel of John adds John's characteristic dramatic touch as John places this story much later within a resurrection account. And so it's a risen Christ who offers uh, tips on fishing so that the disciples end up catching more fish than they can count. In Matthew and Mark, both these stories tell about the charisma and the power of Jesus, that sort of power we hear about in today's gospel that, that makes one almost fall down in front of him. It can be an overwhelming power like the power of God before Isaiah, like the power of God we just sang about. People meet Jesus and they see there's something about him and they're overwhelmed by it. In John, it's Jesus with divinity showing through. And so people see there's something of God in this man. But in Luke's story, the one we just heard, there's a slightly different focus Um, We have a a close-up of Simon Peter. The formal calling of the twelve apostles comes later in chapter 6, as Jesus chooses the twelve out of a much larger group that seem to have already been following him. And so when we hear Luke's version of this fishing story, it comes not so much with that initial follow me. Uh, Jesus and Simon Peter seem to already know each other, Just a few verses earlier in Luke's gospel, Jesus has healed Simon's mother-in-law. And so word has been spreading about who Jesus is through the towns and the synagogues. And so there's none of that initial startling recognition of who Jesus is. Instead, there's a kind of second recognition. In today's gospel, Jesus is saying to Simon Peter, not so much follow me, but more... Keep following me. Keep on. Keep on following me. Follow me even further. Follow me even deeper. Follow me in yet another way. 
Simon is a fisherman. He knows what he's doing. He knows the waters of Galilee as well as anyone else. And so when Jesus suggests that he and the others drop their fishing nets into a specific place, we can imagine Simon sort of rolling his eyes and saying to himself, you're going to tell me how to fish? I know these waters. He sort of says, in a way, we've been fishing all night, Lord. Nothing's biting. It's pointless. This is the Simon Peter we know from other stories in the Gospels. This Simon Peter who's quick to say what's on his tongue, who's, who's quick to question Jesus, who's so bold as even to talk back to Jesus. It's that same Simon Peter who names Jesus as the Christ. At the Transfiguration, it's Peter who's, who's ready to act, to do something useful and build shelters for these uh, visions of Elijah and Moses. Later, when there's talk of Jesus' dying, it's Simon who speaks out against it. He'll have none of this. And then remember again, it's Simon Peter who, after the crucifixion, speaks again too quickly in denying Jesus. It's a strong personality. Um, I imagine Simon was as sure of his fishing as he was of anything else. And yet he's also getting to be sure of who Jesus is, that he can trust Jesus. And so when the Lord says to him, put out into the deep and let down your nets for another catch, Simon says, we fished all night with nothing but okay, if you say so. And Jesus makes it so. Suddenly there are fish everywhere. They hit upon a whole school of fish or something. And the fish are so many that the nets begin breaking and they need extra help. Water is splashing, fish are flying, and the boat is sinking. Simon Peter finally gets it. He falls to his knees. He sees something about Jesus, something new in himself. Get away from me, Lord, he says. I'm sinful. In that moment, Simon Peter recognizes, perhaps, his own willfulness, his own pig-headedness, his own need to, to get his own way and to understand everything. His, he understands his lack of trust. He, he begins to confess his need for God. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. Don't be afraid. Those, those words repeated again and again and again. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. The, the word that Jesus uses here, or the word that Luke has Jesus use here, is a strange one for catch. It, it includes in its prefix, prefix the word uh, many of us would know from Greek, the, the word that means life, zoe. It's, it's a name for little girls sometimes, zoe as in zoo or zoology and protozoa, animals and living things. And so the word Jesus uses here, translated into the Greek, zogron, means not only that you're going to be catching people and, and that's the end of it, but that you're going to be catching people for life. You're going to be catching people and, and adding to their life. You're going to be making their life more, helping them move and live and grow into the fullness of life like they've never even suspected. It's a word that's used elsewhere to describe the process by which a teacher might catch a student, uh, catch him up, catch her up in a new way of thinking or living or learning. 
It's a way of our being caught up into something, a novel we're reading or a a movie we're watching where we forget everything else. We're caught up. That's what Jesus is saying is going to happen through the apostles. People are going to be caught up in the spirit and follow Jesus. Before long, Simon Peter and the other disciples are doing just that. They're catching people for life, even if they don't even fully understand what they're doing, that it even includes life after life. It includes eternal life. This gospel, this wonderful fish story, speaks to us at two different levels, at least today, I think. On one level, it speaks to us as a church, as a community of people gathered together. Um, We are called to fish. (laughs) We're called to be catching people up in the spirit and the life of God as best we can. In a previous parish, I had a a warden of vestry who used to refer to the E-word, the word that shall not be said aloud. He meant evangelism. (laughs) In Washington, D.C., that word would send people running in the other direction because so many people had taken um, the word evangelism to mean a sort of in-your-face nagging and putting people up against the wall saying, have you met Jesus Christ before? Which really they mean, have you met Jesus in the terms that I've met him? And I want you to see it exactly the way I do. But evangelism is bigger than that. We shouldn't just let a few people misuse the term and own it. In words uh, reportedly said by St. Francis of Assisi, we all of us should preach often and when necessary use words. Evangelism is that. We're all doing evangelism. By sitting here, you're doing evangelism. When people ask, what did you do Sunday morning? Oh, I went to church. You've been an evangelist. (laughs) You might say more, you might say less. You might say it without words. You might do something for someone. You might participate in a cause. You might uh, stand for for truth. You um, You might argue for justice. You might weep for the pain of the world. All of that is evangelism. All of that is energy that moves into catching people up into the spirit and the life of God. As a church here, we're called to do this more. And I think this story tells us, even if we've tried it before, times might be different. Think of Simon Peter. He says to Jesus, we've fished on this side of the boat. We've done it all night long. It didn't work. It's not working. It's not going to work. (laughs) What could possibly be our version? Well, we've made signs. We've put it on the website. We've, We've done this. We've done that. Perhaps now's different. Perhaps now the Spirit of God is behind us and and we're called to do a new thing, maybe in an old way, maybe in a new way. It's that sense that's getting a few things moving and happening around the edges. We had 19 people at a Bible study today at 10 a.m. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We have a handful of people who are ready to begin children's Christian education in another month or so. That's an amazing, wonderful thing. Yes, we're against the demographics of our culture. Yes, it's uphill. Yes, there are a thousand other things to do on a Sunday morning, and it's a hard sell to try to get folks to bring their child to church and learn about Jesus and the love of God. But we're going to do it. 
And so this gospel speaks to us as God's faithful people in this place. But I think the gospel also speaks to each of us, especially if we're a little like Simon Peter, where we we have met Jesus. We know something about Christ. We, We have a faith of sorts. But perhaps there's a new level that Christ is calling us to. There's a new depth. There's a new area. There's a new direction. The life of faith is always about growing and learning. Um, Sometimes growing less, sometimes growing more. But it's always with the energy and the way and the love of Christ. And so with Simon Peter, perhaps we pray in a different way. Perhaps we act in a different way. Perhaps we add something to our routine or subtract it from our routine. Go out a little deeper and give it a try, Jesus says. Whatever that may look like for each of us. Simon Peter shows us, among other things, that there are levels, there are stages, there are passages to recognizing Jesus as the Christ. There's that initial surprise, if not shock, but then there's the ongoing realization, yet again, I can be different. Yet again, I can grow and learn. Our icon of the Holy Trinity reminds us every time we look at it that Abram and Sarah, who were well up in years, were shocked to their core that God wasn't done with them yet. (laughs) The old word the church uses for this is, of course, conversion. But it simply means turning. Turning and turning and turning again to Christ. Turning again to God's light turning again so that we might see a new aspect of God's love for ourselves, and in so doing, even come to understand a new dimension of ourselves. On this cold day in February, we're called to keep fishing, to keep catching people up into the life of Christ, even as we allow ourselves to be caught anew. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.